Esoteric Knowledge for the New Timeline The Spiritual Fees Podcast by Alessandra Morasuti Welcome, I'm your host, Alessandra Morasuti, and today we'll be discussing the human soul. The Spiritual Physics book offers a fascinating insight into this topic, and the best way to start is to dive right in. Let's go to our Zoom call, where I will read the introduction to the human soul directly from the book. According to the teachings of the Damanurian school, the soul is a complex structure composed of many parts, just like our bodies. In this chapter, we will see how a human soul is formed and what exactly are the different parts that compose it. But first, before all else, we must make the following point according to the theory achieved by our school. The soul has a simultaneous presence in at least four different living forms at once, the most important being the human form, while the others can be animal or plant forms. Being in complete command of our soul and having the consciousness of the different forms that shape it is a very complicated affair and requires a high level of evolution that is not easy to reach, one that we define as enlightenment. In this book, we shall be looking at the parts of the soul that lodges with the human form to the exclusion of the others, because we do not yet have any practical experiences with those parts, and we are therefore unable, at our current level of consciousness, to explore them. But we should point out that this is a very important point. If obliges us to think the way we view animals and consider that they may form part of the human soul. Wow, that's incredible. Our soul is in four living forms simultaneously. And if we're evolved enough, we're able to experience our animal and plant parts as well. I think we need to embrace nature as brothers and sisters. They are a part of us, and we are a part of them. Now that we know what our soul is capable of, it's time to find out how the soul is born in the material world and what makes up its structure. Get ready. This will be another adventure and we'll need to start from the very beginning. The Spiritual Physics book tells us that the human primordial divinity enters matter by breaking itself into millions of little pieces. Those little pieces enter every form in the material world. So everything here has a piece of divinity inside itself. That piece of divinity is what will birth the human soul once that form reaches a high enough level of evolution. How does a form reach that level of evolution? From experiences. Experiences that are gathered lifetime after lifetime. The spiritual physics book calls these experiences memories. These memories get stored in the threshold, that in-between place between matter and the real. That's where the attractors, the droplets of the real, pick them up and take them into matter again and again so that the memories can expand, grow and evolve, or as we say in spiritual physics, reach complexity. 
Now let's go to our call and see what happens once the memory reaches the right level of complexity. The information that is left in the threshold by these, the attractors, the real, uh, is the memory of the form. It becomes more and more complex as it builds experiences and they become known, these memories, as knots of intelligence. Then once these knots of intelligence reach a certain level, they do an evolutionary jump and they become the divine spark ignites in them. They become, they regain their memory, they regain their consciousness, they regain free will. And this is where the human soul begins. So memories become knots of intelligence. And this awakens the divinity in that form. And that's what starts to birth the human soul. Now let's go listen to what happens next. The knot of intelligence that now has the divine spark transforms into a personality because now it's no longer the knot of intelligence but becomes a personality which is gathering memories from our previous lives. Did you get that? Knots of intelligence now become personalities that are memories of our past lives. Can this get any more extraordinary? Yes, it can. In spiritual physics, it always does. Come listen as we learn more about the attractor's role in all of this. We can now move on to consider what the human soul consists of. A body about to be born in the material domain is the signal that attracts the soul. Now it talks about how it happens. So at this point, a corresponding attractor moves from the real to the threshold where it finds, and I emphasize this, the storehouses of the storehouse of personalities. These are the memories of incarnated individuals that are waiting for their next opportunity to reincarnate. According to a specific programming, maximizing the attractor's own intelligence which, remember, is the absolute principle, the real, in matter, the attractor summons a certain number of personalities, ranging from a minimum of seven to eight, with less than five personality. We cannot speak of a human soul, as that level of complexity would not be sufficient, to a maximum of 70 to 80 personalities. The peculiarity of this theory lies in the fact that these personalities belong to different deceased individuals, each with their unique characteristics, who have lived in different periods of time and therefore do not relate to one another. When the attractor summons them, they become part of the same soul. And this newly formed structure, attractor and personality, enters the body about five to six days before birth. And there is more. So personalities can be male or female, depending on their origin. But this has no specific relevance to the body gender. Every individual contains both types of personality, which, interacting among themselves, produce elements that are essential for our soul's evolution. According to mythological traditions, human beings were one 
aspects androgynous, which meant that their male and female aspects were not separated. The separation being a limiting condition imposed on human beings as a consequence of their defeat by the enemy. At this point, the various personalities settled in precise body parts and or organs of the person in question. So we will have a personality that lives in the heart, another in the lung, in the liver, in the kidney, and so on. And you may be wondering, how do all these personalities fit in our body? And how does this all work? Come listen, as the Spiritual Physics book explains it all. See, the personalities, like I said, from 7 to 80, settle in precise body parts. Each of our physical organs have a memory represented by a personality. The brain, the control center, has the dominant personality which expresses itself more directly through the body to the outside world. All personalities are part of a rotating rotation mechanism where everyone gets a chance to be a dominant personality. This is a law. This rotation is important because it helps us to evolve and this rotation creates the opportunity that the personalities get to know each other. At birth, we have a team of strangers that comes together. Our work is to integrate all the personalities so we can continue our soul's evolution according to its base program. Our base program remains constant in all our incarnation. If we reach this integration of the personalities, we reach enlightenment. We may be able to integrate only some of the personalities or none at all. The ones we integrate become known as personalities in formation. And as they develop more in our lifetimes, they start to co-pilot the other personalities. We can say that the evolution of an individual can be measured by the quality of its personality information. Did you get all that? Don't worry if you didn't. I'll do a little recap here. So first, we have the attractors that summon a team of personalities that our soul need to integrate. We have a minimum of seven to an upward of 80 personalities. The personalities settle in different body parts. Their goal is to work together to integrate themselves with the final goal, enlightenment. Now let's take a little pause, listen to a bit of music to let all of this sink in. Now that we're back, I just want to say that I hope with all this new information you're getting that you realize you are a team player par excellence. Now let's return to the call and see how all our personalities work together and what we may experience when they don't. The control room of the body is in the brain, with two personalities controlling it at all times, one living in each hemisphere. So if we're a little confused, pat ourselves on the back, the left hemisphere is rational, the right is emotional. Consequently, we shall 
always have dominant personalities with opposing characteristics creating doubt. Doubt is an important internal mechanism. It's what allows interaction between the personalities and it helps us integrate our personality. Once we do that, the control room is more stable and we get clearer directions. Now it's time for your soul to meet the Lords of Karma. Come here, what role they play in all of this. To determine and direct the evolutionary program of the individuals, some new forces come into play known as the Lord of Karma, beings that finish their evolution. They guide reincarnation of the souls and create the right condition to unfold the specific program. The Lord of Karma defines the incarnation, where you end up, the time and the place of birth. Let's see what key ingredient we need to integrate all our personalities. All you need is love. Love. All you need is love. <laughs> love is all you need. So love is the only element that can bind the personalities to each other and overcome conflict. Each personality must transmit love to the other to integrate itself. Love can contain all our different aspects. The capacity seen in love is an element of our divine spark. We can say that an individual's capacity to love gives us some measure of his or her level of contact with their divine component. Once we integrate all our various personalities, we immediately attain great power, enlightenment. Consciousness expands. We can break barriers of time and see the moments when our personalities were formed past lives. We will have higher level of energy, all personalities pushing in the same direction and metamorphosis is possible. And this is another element higher than enlightenment. Enlightenment uh, can also can be reversed because it stays in the personality and formation. And so if the next time you have an experience, you are not able to maintain that enlightenment, you can lose it. But metamorphosis cannot be reversed. There you have it, love. With the final step, metamorphosis, bringing the real into the material world. Are you ready? There are two last points to cover. The first is, what happens to the soul at death and reincarnation? For this, let's go back to our Zoom call and see what spiritual physics has to say. The physical body stays in matter and what we're made of the soul uh, leaves. The attractors go back to the real, leaving the personality in the threshold. So we are left in the threshold. The personalities disperse in the threshold and wait to be called forth again. Personalities that have reached a level of evolution can remain on the attractor and travel to the real, but then return to the threshold. Our reincarnation, we are made up of personality information that these personalities that have a continuous history with us and are made up of those personalities we have integrated 
in the past. And the ones we haven't integrated, we lose. And then we have new personalities that offer us new possibilities that are added to our core personalities that we have integrated. This is the line, uh, and this is in line with complexity. The structure of the soul is to assimilate increasing number of personalities. And for our second and last point, we return to the beginning. Remember the piece of the divine that is in the form and starts all the soul process? Well, it's also where the journey returns to. Come listen to how important that divine peace inside of you is. One last, but certainly not least important thought regarding the soul. In a final analysis, personalities are like the skin of our soul rather than the deeper part, which is instead represented by our divine spark and our individual program or goal. While we can host hundreds of different personalities from life to life, which have also passed through other individuals before us and will pass through others after us, Our soul's mission is an element that remains constant throughout our many lives. From this, we can deduct that our individuality should not be sought in the characteristics of our personalities, but within our divine component, which is, which, as we shall see, is a reflection of one of the 163 base elements that composed the primeval divinity. Isn't this a fascinating topic? If learning more about the 163 elements and what may be your element is of interest to you, you can join one of our courses on this topic. Just visit spiritualphys.com. That finishes our discussion on the human soul. And I want to thank you for having tuned in and join us next week as we discuss inner senses. These are the additional potential we get once we have a human soul. I want to thank my producer, Santiago Bedoja, and our musicians are trees. Yes, you heard that correctly, trees. This is made possible by an ingenious device called the Music of the Plants. If you want to find out more on the plant device, joining our book club, upcoming trips and courses, visit my website at spiritualphys.com. You can follow us on all social media and podcasting platforms at Spiritual Fizz. See you on the next episode.